They know how to make you smile. You're already here, why don't you stay a while? Kick back, relax, you freaks. They're playing all the tricks and taking all of the treats. Grab a whiskey and hang on tight. Smoke that bong with all your might. They write books, but that ain't all. One's short and smooth and one is hairy and tall. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and then drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Best buds talking book of the week. And all the horror stuff that they think is neat Hanging loose doing ridiculous read Not cause we deserve it cause it's what we need Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne They argue about everything and drive each other so insane Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne it's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Oh my, I'm John Wayne. Of course, you know that with me as always, my sweet, sweet love of a man, a hunkalicious to the, to the edge of the world and back. I held him in my arms this weekend. It felt so good. Christopher Triana. Chris, how are you, sir? Hey, how are you, my friend? Yes, it was good to have a loving embrace, a brotherly embrace this past weekend. And it's great to be back. It's been almost two months since we've had an episode. That's uh, we've right. Both been, we've both been busy with projects and uh, on the road, you especially on the road. Um, and this, is, uh, this has been a long delayed episode that we're very excited about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we are back. We talked about it at the at the show. We'll chat a little more about that, but we are going to have the episodes rolling out for you guys. So don't worry. We're back. And yeah. since we're back, we you know how we have to do it. We've got to come in in style. We've got to roll out the carpet for the best of the best um, all the way from across that wonderful pond where we all are going to go seek refuge soon. Uh, we have an author, you know him, you love him. He writes great, great extreme horror. We've talked about it. We've had him back. My mom loves him. Jonathan Butcher is here. Jonathan, what's up, my man? Guten Tag. Yeah, awesome <laughs> to be back. And hi, John Wayne's mom again. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks Very for much. having me, guys. I would also like to say hello to John Wayne's mom. Hello, mom. Everyone says hello. But hello. yeah, we're back, man. We uh, it's good to have you, Jonathan. Good to good to all be back. We're, of course, going to start an awesome series, uh, you know, or some some stuff we're going to talk about today. Uh, but, you know, since we're all here, like we were talking about traveling, Chris, we just got back from scares that care. And uh, it was uh, pretty goddamn good. It was very goddamn good. It was, it was a great show. Uh, good turnout. Good people. Uh, mm -hmm. Thanks again to Joe Ripple and to Brian Keane, who uh, had me as a celebrity guest this year. It was a big honor. Uh, I couldn't have been happier. Yeah, it was a great time. Great to see you. Great to mm -hmm. see Scarlett and see everybody else. It was awesome. Oh, oh yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was amazing. Um, oh, check this out. Our buddy from our buddy Lee Parker, who made the bear toy uh, that we talked about, the bear action. Yes. Figure. 
That, yes, he is, did. Look at this. It's Ro Romy and Michelle. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. This is one of my favorite movies. Uh, is it really? I love this movie, dude. I didn't so know much. that about you. I didn't know that you liked it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is actually on the V. This is like the VHS box. Oh, it's on the tape. Oh, that's cool. That's what the backing is. And the blister pack has a little like, you know, doll that's supposed to be like a Romy or Michelle. Um, that is very cool. I um, also have one from Lee to show. Oh, you, you, you have it close to you? Okay, cool. Yeah, I do. I, I, saw I it do. Too. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm really that. I was really excited about this. I had to have it. Uh, he made an action figure for Blackula. Yeah. <laughs> So I now have my very own black action figure. I'll get it's it so as close cool. to the end of the camera, probably blurs, but the figurine, if you look at him, he, if you look at the figurine, he even has the, the, the fucking sideburns. Yeah. You know, it's really fantastic. It's probably hard to see. So on the camera. left out. You guys have got right? action figures and you had massive hugs and yeah. Massive hugs. Yep. Um, so yeah, Blackula, custom made action figure by Lee. You can check out his stuff at uh, Remakes Plethora. You can find him on Instagram and such. Uh, Remakes yeah. Plethora. Yeah, and what and so what Lee really does, cool stuff. Check out his stuff. Yeah, he's he's a uh, makes uh, custom like uh, figures, like action figures and, and things like that, uh, where he makes the backing card and then makes them all like cool in there. Uh, yeah. He does a bunch of hip hop ones. He's got a good deal with this company. He's been doing that. Yeah. Before. So shouts out. To yeah. Him and congrats. He does them. He does them professionally with them. Like yeah. like the Black Gila one is really more just something he made for fun. It's not like officially licensed, but he's actually oh, yeah. doing he's actually doing the licensed stuff now with the hip hop starts, which is really cool. I'm really happy for his success. Mm -hmm. Really talented guy. And as you mentioned at the top of the show, uh, he did a bear action figure for me, which I also adore. So Black Gila is going to go right up on the wall next to the bear Excellent. action figure. Yeah, and, and we got to see him too. That was yeah. a lot of fun to hang out with him again. Lee, his wife, Chris. It was yeah. amazing. Chris as well. Yeah. What hip hop uh, stuff does he do? Are we talking contemporary or like classic? Uh, he does. It's like stuff? so. Yeah. So like yes, but like a yes answers, but no both. He's um. So he has his company like that. Uh, he's partnered with that has licenses for certain things like. Uh, like the old hip hop guys, like he's, but then he's done like more modern. He's, he has a DMX one, Rest in Power. Um, and uh, did he do a um, Shock G? Some I believe. Um, some of the ones that he was he was mentioning, they're definitely more modern. Um, it's not like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Trey. They're more modern guys because I didn't. I he told me some, showed me some. They look awesome, but I'm not a big hip hop guy, so I have no idea who they who they are. <laughs> yeah, th there there may be more in the last like twenty ish years, I would say. Um, where mm -hmm. Snoop Dogg and all them like come in the nineties. This is probably like two thousand, like in the aughts, you know. About, yeah, but yeah. either way, they're limited. He does like they're they're only limited like fifty to hundred pieces or something like that yeah, per figure. Yeah. Very cool. Anyway, we love Lee, and uh, he's a he's a great artist. So I wanted to show off his stuff. Uh, Absolutely. To give him some shouts out, but uh, Jonathan, enough about Romy and Michelle. Uh, it, well, I need to talk to you more about that. I had no idea that that was your favorite movie. <laughs> it's one of my favorites, you know. But but you it's do you like that movie favorite. as well, Chris? Or are you, uh, are you a Romeo Michelle fan? I I went to see it when it came out with my girlfriend. My girlfriend at the time wanted to go see it, and I remember th and I remember being like, uh, "This is just going to be some chick flick, whatever." But then it turned out to be really funny. Yeah. But I haven't seen it since, so I can't really say if I'm a fan or not because it's been you know it's thirty been. years or something since I saw it. So. What yeah. do you love about it, John? Uh, wait, um, it's just like I don't know, man. The like the story, the quotability. It's very, very funny. It um, taught him to love again. It taught me to love again. <laughs> like, no, I mean, like Lisa Kudrow and and Amira Servino. Of course, I've always like 
had a huge crush on Mira Sorvino. She's, I think she's gorgeous. Yeah, she's, she's hubba hubba. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But it's also like you have these two actresses that are like credible, like good actresses, and they're in this like silly film having fun. And it's just the characters are great. Like, uh, I remember it being really funny. I remember, like, like I said, I, I remember going with it, like, all right, she goes to see my horror movies. I'll go see her Romeo show with her. Yeah. And then I was actually entertained by it, which surprised me because I thought it was going to be like a chick movie, you know? Right. I mean? Right. And it's yeah. not. It's not. It's that. not. I'm just a, yeah, it's a good yeah. comedy. Um, but yeah. Kira, Kira um, of uh, Hansiaco, uh, she also loves that movie. And she like had dropped the line about it one day, like, you know, last year or something. And I, and I completed the line, kind of like a Simpsons thing with us, Chris. Mm-hmm. And she's yeah. like, oh, you like Romeo and Michelle? And I was like, are you kidding? I cut my foot earlier and my shoe is filling up with blood. I've got to go now. Like we're I just, like, commenting. The thing, yeah. so. Um, so actually yeah. Scarlett uh, had, had this made like Lee, he, she contacted Lee and had him make this for me. Mm-hmm. So um, because I was doing it, but yeah, I love that. I love that flick. But speaking of flicks, Jonathan, you just got married, dude. Last time we talked to you, we were like, yeah. we were like, Oh good. We're the best people, best two people to talk to as you go into uh, <laughs> right. Your right. holy, your holy matrimony. Wow, what a time! And here I am. Let us give you the cast. best advice, <laughs> and, now, and 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 all of our advice fell fell well, by the wayside because you are married. <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, no, he uh, he actually can learn from us. He can learn what not to do. There you go. Uh, yeah. and well, the, the, the difference is, Chris once gave an anecdote. Uh oh, you froze. Uh oh, you there, Dan? Jonathan, you're frozen. I think I like to think he's just Are you guys still there. There we go. There we go. You okay. froze. You're, you froze on us. You, you were saying uh, it, says, it says it's unstable. Yeah. Um, OK. You were saying something. I gave you an anecdote. anecdote yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. You told me once that you were necromantic in your room by yourself and your ex-girlfriend or ex-wife or something walked in and looked at the screen in absolute disgust. Yes. And it was almost as if that wasn't quite a trigger point, but was, was like you thinking, what, what, what the fuck am I doing? And here yeah. I am on a podcast and I've just watched Necromantic 1, Necromantic 2 and Black Past with, with my wife, yeah. who almost puked at least twice and then said, I'm sad that it didn't remain that icky for the whole uh. thing. You're so, with a good woman. You're with yeah, a good woman. <laughs> exactly. Well, signs point to good. Which I, one almost made her puke, may I ask? Um, uh, well, two, actually. Um, so the corpse in Necromantic 2 is so greasy and disgusting yeah, looking. It's, it's nasty. Um, it's much yeah. nastier than the first one. Uh, yeah, definitely. Oh, actually, the eyeball bit in the first one made her, but it was kind of like she was faking it. It was like she was yeah. proper urging in Necromantic too, and wow. also um, some of the dick stuff in Black Past. Yeah, yeah. Which we're <laughs> we're going to get to all of this because yeah. we have a we have a theme actually this for this. Uh, nice show. segue. So yeah, we're going to get to all that. But yeah, it sounds like if she's if she can not only handle it, but is enjoying watching it with you, then yeah, you've married well, my friend. Oh, a- absolutely. Yeah. So I just can't wait for her to be here. Cause at the moment, the way that I'm interacting with you guys is generally the way that I interact with my fucking wife. Yeah. That's difficult. <laughs> He's living in San Antonio, Texas right now. Um, I visited right. her and married her in Washington, like just outside of Seattle. I don't fancy the 104 degree heat down in Texas. Um, I don't so. blame you. Oh, you don't? Yeah. Oh, do you fancy the 120 degrees that it is in Nevada right now when I walked outside to get <laughs> no, this book? <I'm> good. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, because you're in England, she's in America. We were talking about this before the show. Uh, so you guys are working on her coming to you, which I think would be great. Correct. In, in yeah. a few months' time, hope we're, we're just about to get to the halfway point for how long it's supposed to take for these goddamn visas to come through. Six months. Wow. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So you said you said that you uh, like talk, you you communicate with her the the same way like right here like you're communicating with us over this. So are you like a little kind of like triggered to be horny right now just because you're on the the. I mean, I'm, I'm Internet with us? 24 seven. Nice. I mean, I, you, you well, can hear on two I hands Chris how many times I... I've had sex TMI in the last two years. So I'm horny 24 fucking seven. Well, I've I joked I it twice since we've been here, but go ahead. I can't, speak, I can't be, speak for Jonathan, but I wasn't horny until John Wayne took his shirt off. And now it's all I can think about is sex. I'll, look, guys, if you're watching, you got to watch. That's why you got to get on the YouTube channel, people yes. out there. John you Wayne is taking his shirt off. He I was just taking his shirt off, ladies and look, gentlemen. You'll, you'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was wearing my robe, like you said before, and uh, it just got a little warm. I think I had a, I had a sip of this whiskey here, and that that gave me a little one of those warm, you know, little heater. So I had yeah, to I mean, Chris, while, while you were trying to work out your microphone troubles before we started, John and I did say that we would just all do this naked if you agreed. So okay. <laughs> just because you said, you know, you're hot, you said your AC went out in the office. Yes. And uh, we were like, you know what? We will go totally nude for you. Patreon tier one. Yeah. Yes. That's uh, that's also for those listening. Uh, uh, what? Yeah. Right before we were going to do the show, my my AC and my office decided to crap out. So I had been working on it for the past hour. Uh, basically took the damn thing apart yeah. at this point. Yeah, that's I what I'm saying. I like you're like done. It crapped out, so I disassembled it. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I just well, banged the side of it and be like, shit's broken. Well, got to go. And well, I would just I clo to... close that room off and never use it again in my house. You know, just well, I wanted to try to see if I could fix it. You know, I, so I was, yeah. you know, no, you're a handyman. The... You, you I am. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like a homer. Um, Smack the side of it. Doesn't work. I don't know. Well, that's that's the first thing I do. And if that doesn't work, then I start, you know, taking it apart, and you know, checking the filter and the coils and all that yeah. stuff. But I think it's just shot. I think it's shot. It's not an electrical issue because it still gets power to it. Um, it's just I think it's just shot. So I might just have to replace it. But that's fine. Well, offline, get with me because uh, Scarlett usually is really good at finding super awesome deals, especially on those little those the small AC units like that. Yeah, uh, where you will not have to pay full price for this muffler or this AC unit. So, yeah, I probably I was probably just going to run to Walmart and, and get one. After okay, the show. or that too. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, oh, always, dude, always. But uh, anyway. anyway, Jonathan, so you're married now. Your 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 lovely lady is coming to the states or coming to the your states, uh, fleeing the, the states. state of England, the yeah. state. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, but we're happy. I'm happy for you, man. I saw the pictures look great. Very cool. I think it's all going to oh, work man, out. It was, it was amazing. I mean, I know this is a horror podcast, but it was just stunning. I've never seen landscape like Washington in, in my life. I mean, we've got beautiful it's countryside gorgeous. here. Oh, isn't it? Pacific, yeah, man, Pacific the, Northwest. Yeah, towering is, trees. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Here's a cool thing. In fact, yet another cool thing about why I I, I know I'm on the, I might have said this last time actually. Have I spoken to you guys since I got married, or is it the I first don't think time? so. I think you were you were about to get married the last time. Huh. Okay. Um, well, 
Uh, yeah, so as I was saying, um, uh, uh, what during the wedding, or at least before the wedding, um, another sign that this is this is a very good choice of mine was we were on the way to this um, Airbnb, and to get there we had to drive through just stunning scenery. As I was saying about how impressed I was in Washington, and um, I was sharing a car with Michelle, and she was like, "On the way, I've, I've got a bit of a surprise for you." I was like, "Oh, okay, cool. Are we stopping off somewhere?" Yeah, that's right. I don't quite know what it looks like though. So you're gonna have to bear with me, but it'll make sense when we get there. So I was like, okay. So we're driving up this winding road getting, it felt like we're getting higher and higher into the mountains, but um, then she stops off at halfway up this hill surrounded by trees and a, a great big row of pines across there. And it's not a place you're supposed to stop the car by any means. And there's all these signs saying um, no parking at any time, fines of $300 or, or, or whatever. Um, and she was like, you see those trees over there? I was like, yeah. She went, Ted Bundy's dumping grounds. <laughs> <laughs> On the way to our wedding, I was like, oh, thank you so much. Yep. <laughs> yeah, she was like, yep. she dumped, dumped, he dumped four of them there. This was on the way from the um, airport or... No, no, no. This was this was driving from um, just outside of Seattle. She used to live in Linwood to where we had the Airbnb where we were getting married. Okay, so, okay, yeah, okay. On on the the wedding drive, I was yeah. like, you know, most couples that you know like long distance, you know, you get you get together. The first thing you want to do is like get some red bulb love into time, as my man Chris would say. Uh, but no, it's like, oh, you guys just stop and Ted Bundy's dumping ground. <laughs> It would be great. Well, no, on, on the way would... back from the airport, though, she stopped off at Gary Ridgway's house. Oh, okay. That's nice. There that's you nice. go. Yeah. That's nice. No, it sounds like you it sounds like you picked a good one, man. I'm happy for you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah but sure. it would be it would be great if um if like they they owned up to it. Like you were driving into that locate that area and it says proud home of Ted Bundy's dumping <laughs> ground. Ground. There's like a sign. Like a sign. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's got like a bat. Like a like rape a, and torture shop. Like a cut out of him. Like, yeah, like, I was just going to say a cut like out of him you can take pictures with. But, yeah. yeah, you take your yeah. picture next to him and shit. That would be pretty cool. Um, um, that's cool, man. I'm glad. I'm I'm really, we're, we're very happy for you. Please don't follow our leads. I will do my absolute damnedest. Um, but, right. you know, I, I, that aside, I think it might be time to uh, start the show off, Chris. What I think, think so. I I think it is. I think it's time we put the jibba jabba and get into it. Let's um, do it. So let's uh, get back into it. Get into our rituals, man. Our rituals. Mm -hmm. And that brings us to our very first segment. You know it. You love it. You can't get enough of it. It is Book of the Week. <laughs> Could you guys hear that? A little. Belly. It was kind of oh. fading in and out. <laughs> well, it played, so it recorded. We'll fix it in post. Yeah, we'll fix <laughs> it in post. Um, book of the All week, right. Chris. Yes. yes, book of the week. All right. Um, this week, we're going to do some shameless uh, self-promoting, much, much like Thomas Edison. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to be talking about my new book. Now, this new book of mine, it just came out... Uh, about a month ago, uh, and it's actually a sequel to The 13th Coyote, my Splatter Western. Uh, this is part two in the trilogy. It's called Ballad of the Were Vixens. And this book, thank you. This right. book picks up where The 13th Coyote left off. Uh, so I'm just going to read the synopsis for you real fast. Years after battling the dreaded outlaws known as the Coyotes, Delia Van Vracken travels mountains and valleys, hunting demons that manage to escape hell. But also traveling across the plains is Balthazar Rot, 
a, a subhuman who's been alive for centuries. He's searching for something Delia hoped was forever buried, bringing with him a band of bloodthirsty brides. Meanwhile, young prostitute Josie is discovering new changes about herself, particularly when the moon is full. And when sisters Emma and Pearl find a strange sphere in the hands of a dead creature, they must band together with crusaders to bring the relic to the reckoning before the Werevixens come. Ballad of the Werevixens is the thunderous sequel to The 13th Coyote, part of a trilogy of horror western epics by Splatterpunk Award winner Christopher Triana, author of Gone to See the Riverman and Shepherd of the Black Sheep. It celebrates the strength of the women of the American West, weaving a stunning tale of horror, hardship, and hope. Uh, again, that's Ballad of the Werevixens. It's now available wherever books are sold. You can also get it at my new website, uh, which Ooh. is something I wanted to bring up. Um, for those it of you who want it, it's a beautiful, wanted... beautiful website. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, if, for those of you who want to get signed books uh, from me, you just go to trianahorror.com. So it's my last name, T-R-I-A-N-A horror.com. You can get signed books, uh, packages, buttons. You can also, there's also a link in there to get t-shirts and barware and all sorts of stuff. Um, so you can get it directly from me. You can also get uh, the new book from Amazon or anywhere else books are sold. And I also do international shipping. So for those of you who are worried about, you know, not being able to get a signed book in the UK or in Canada or wherever else, uh, there are most countries I will ship to. Uh, the shipping is still expensive, but uh, I will I will ship it to you. So cool, man. Are there any there countries you, you just refuse to ship to on principle? Or? No, it's it's just the cost is so astronomical that it would be ridiculous, you know. Uh, if it's going to be 50, 60 bucks to ship a book to someone, uh, you know, just don't bother with it. Or, you know, some that's even like a hundred dollars. It's kind of crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. So I've shipped yeah. some stuff that's like $75 just to ship like three books or a book right. and a t-shirt. And right. stuff. So yeah. But I five to the States. But if you want to, if, yeah, if you, if people want, want it and they want to pay it, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I ship currently I'm set up to ship to, the UK, Canada, Switzerland, Germany, the Virgin Islands, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of them that, I, that I'll ship to. And if for some reason you have an issue and I can't ship to you, just send me an email, contact me, and we'll work something out. But but yes, Ballad of the Wear Vixens, it's out now. Very cool, very cool. So I, I loved the 13th Coyote, and this one uh, picks up pretty much right where that left off, like you said. Um, yeah, it takes place just a few years later. Uh, and and, it's, okay. and it follows uh, the character of Delia from the first one and what she's doing now. Um, mm -hmm. And there's also a lot of new characters involved, but a lot of uh, characters from the, the first one uh, that survived anyway yeah. uh, make, make appearances in this one as well. And it, as I said, it's part two in the trilogy, so there's more on the way. And it's a fat one. You really get your money's worth. That's with a this. fatty. It's, it's a fat book. It's like five, 550 pages. Uh, Damn. So. It's a it's a universe that I'm creating with this. So and so these are so there are vampires in this one, yes, or there are yes, we, yeah. Vamp there are vampires in this one. You you still you know get the focus on the werewolves, but uh, there are vampires and demons and other you know other supernatural entities. That's cool. So you're saying universes are another book planned after this one, or can you talk yeah, about anything so like that? Or no, yeah, absolutely. It's part two. It's part two in a planned trilogy. The so the third okay. one. A third one will be coming. Cool. How, can I ask, how is it um, writing about supernatural stuff when most of your stuff, because I've, I've read four, four, maybe five of your books, and I think it's only 
one of them, and I won't mention which because it's kind of a spoiler, um, that had supernatural elements. So is it yeah. is there a shift writing such gritty stuff like um, probably my favorite and The Devil Cried mm-hmm. to like Battle to the Werevixens? Um, yeah, I mean, they're certainly different. I do have stuff like that, like a, a Fine Evening in Hell or in The Devil Cried, which is set in the real world. So it's real world horror. Um, but the thing with my supernatural stuff is a lot of it is uh, my own creation. Um, you know, like Body Art has supernatural element. That was but, the one that I didn't want to say because it kind of comes in later okay. on. Into yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there are some that, that have supernatural elements to it, but they're not traditional monsters. This is my first series where I have traditional monsters, vampires, werewolves, witches, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, because... But, but I, I wanted to do it, if I was going to do something like that, I wanted to do it differently. So I incorporated it into the Wild West. So it's werewolves in the Wild West, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's just, I, I go where the story where the story calls for, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's and again, author answer right there. And again, like we, I think we talked about this before, but you, you know, you kind of helped uh, give me some guidance in writing my horror, horror Western as far as like, here's a list of things to read. You know, Nick P was already putting me through the ringer with watching a, a billion spaghetti westerns and right. uh, and that kind of stuff. But you you definitely have a good knowledge for that and, and a passion for it, which comes through in Thirteenth Coyote. So Thank I'm uh, I'm looking forward because I did pick up a copy of this while I was at Scares at Care. You saved it for me. How gracious! So I'm yes. excited to read this and and get back into that world because I enjoyed it quite a bit. So um, thanks, man. Cool, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I hope you like it. Uh, so far, people seem to like it um uh, and think it's a good sequel to the first one which i'm glad uh i would recommend you read the first one before you read this one but you don't necessarily have to um right. but i would highly recommend you read the first one first so i also highly recommend it yeah that you do that so very cool man jonathan cool. do you have any other questions for the no the- man I'm, I'm looking forward to it I've, I've just for the last two years i've mainly had to focus on uh crime books because of the masters that i'm studying but uh the right. last Chris book that I read um, was Toxic Toxic Love, you disgusting, disgusting man. Uh, <laughs> and that accompanied me on a nice drive down to Nuki. So just as I was pulling up to my parents' house for a, a week or so, hanging out with my, my elderly parents, I was listening to, you know, a lovely ditty about corpse fucking. It was uh, oh, beautiful. Gets you, <laughs> yeah. you in the mood to see family. Absolutely. <laughs> sure. But I will catch up with the rest of it soon, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Take your time. I, I have... I have many, many books, you know, I, I have 17 books out at this point, so I don't expect people to, to read them all, you know, right away. So <laughs> I do. I want everyone to go to the Triana.com or <laughs> Triana Horror. TrianaHorror.com and order every single one. And then, well, you know what to do after that. You know what to do. All right. You know what to do. So I think I know what to do, and that's uh, to bring us into our next segment. I think it's time. Um, we've This is everyone's favorite segment, and it's been two months now since we've given it to them. So we're back with it, folks. Here it is. Ridiculous Reads. Oh, man, Ridiculous Reads. Chris, you're right. Everybody's favorite. And it's back. And I so we mentioned before that we took a break. We were on a little bit of a break, um, you know, with everything going on. And the last episode we did actually was with Aaron Beauregard, very good friend of ours, excellent writer. And he did Ridiculous Reads. 
uh, if you remember, which was very yes. funny. Uh, the yes. Ninja Handbook, um, mm -hmm. and it was uh, hilarious. And and I like I had that book. We shared a good laugh. So somebody actually sent this to me, mailed this book to me. Um, I got it. I got it before we left to go on the road. Um, a man named Blake. I won't get no last last name redacted, uh, mm -hmm. but he knows me. And um, from the did, from he, the show. did he send it to you with this segment in mind? Uh, yes, that and the fact that he's like, I just think that he's like, you could use this for your podcast. And I think that this is right up your alley. This is a mm -hmm. book called The Hitchhiker's Handbook by James McLaren. And okay. uh, so not I, to be confused with Hitchhiker's Guide. To the no, Galaxy. this is nothing yeah. like this is a this is a learned text. This is a text. So you learn how to hitchhike and how to, how to go across this great country of ours. Let's read the back. Oh, man. Hitchhiking is an American institution, yet very few people know how to do it correctly and efficiently. In the Hitchhiker's Handbook, longtime hitchhiking veteran James McLaren provides the neophyte vagabond thumber. Oh, I thought I said thumper for a second. Thumber with a complete indispensable guide to the ways and means of traveling for free on the open road. Now, thumber is not an expression I've heard. Is that a term? Is that no, one of the English? Jonathan, you call him no, it makes me think of the phrase thumb it in when it's talking about a flaccid penis. So no, it's not it's not the best. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let's let's put a pin in what I'm doing. Thumb it in. Thumb it in. Is that like when you yeah. like, like put it inside like take your yeah, thumb yeah, and like put your, th your th soft thumbing penis in a flaccid of your penis. body? No, no, no. Just what if you if you if you I don't For know leverage. on drugs like, or drunk or oh, oh, like, oh, oh, get it oh, up, oh I, I get it, I get it. Like when you fold yeah. your dick in half and shove it in. Yeah, th like, thumbing in a. Well, you're, yeah. It's kind of like using a shoehorn. <laughs> it's kind of like using a shoehorn. I like this. Thumber, though. They don't. Right. Do you guys um, over there, Jonathan, have a, a, a sexy word for hitchhikers or anything like that? Or just you call them hitchhikers? Um, murder victims? I don't yeah, know. I think that's, fair enough. Yeah. 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 If, yeah if, I wrote, if I wrote a guide to hitchhiking, it would be a lot shorter than that one because it would just be one page that said, don't do it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Well, anyway, here we go. I'm going to read anyway. the Hitchhiker's Handbook, written in the streetwise vernacular and style of America's freewheeling road explorers, provides well-crafted informative instructions on how to dress for hitchhiking success, what to take with you, where to position yourself alongside the road, body language, and general comportment. I don't know what that means. Expedient sign making, how to avoid trouble with the police, emergency sleeping resources, how to generate repeat rides, dealing with unforeseen occurrences, sex on the road, advanced hitchhiking tips, and much more. Whether you're making an emergency commute to work after your car breaks down or planning an extended, unbudgeted, unbudgeted investigation of the world's highways and byways, no one who intends to hang their thumb in the breeze and troll for a free ride should be without the Hitchhiker's Handbook. When so, was this published? This was published... Like the first time. The year, of our, the year of our Lord, 1995. <laughs> 1995. Oh. Yeah, because yeah. I was curious about that because, you know, like it was more commonplace in, say, like the 50s and the 60s when the world was, the country anyway, like was considered safer. So I was just curious if maybe it was like, you know, like legit, like from those days, or if it's supposed to be somewhat tongue in cheek or what. That's exactly what I was wondering because I yeah. thought it, it, it well, sounded a bit like a cringy, serious guide yeah, at first but yeah. then when you said sex on the road i was like would that really be in a legit guide 
Yeah. Does it mean yeah. as payment or just well, as if you happen to fancy <laughs> the person driving the car? Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, you know, I think uh, if I uh, the read a reading from this, we'll we'll get uh, we'll put put you straight. You'll you'll get right okay. on the right page. I'm on the edge of my seat. So, yes. uh, before I go into this, I do have to say, like, I do drive all over the place. We talked about that. I think I've seen since I've been driving these past few years, like two total hitchhikers. They've both been at night. Yeah. One of them has been like on this on the freeway ramp, like the entrance ramp or like I, I was like, what the fuck? Is that a person like you almost hit them and stuff? Mm-hmm. I've not seen a lot of hitchhikers, but I know I've it was- seen them. You don't. I, I was just going to add to that. Like, you, yeah, you don't see them much anymore. But um, I've driven across country too, particularly recently on my road trip with Bear. And uh-huh. where I did see them frequently was actually in the American Southwest, mm-hmm. um, like in, in particularly Arizona. Um and near some of the yeah arizona colorado like near the four corners you know um that's where i would see them more frequently and it was in more rural poor areas um that's that that i would see them you know because a lot of places we went to were like these desert hikes that we were doing and you know we would drive through like you know drive through the res and stuff like that and there's some of these unfortunate uh, poorer areas. That's where I would see them, and I actually even see signs that would say "no hitchhiking," like road signs. Oh say, yeah, like warning: no hitchhiking, mm-hmm. fine, all that kind of stuff. You don't see that most places, but I saw them there. I do see. Yeah. It makes of... me think of. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it just makes me think of like desperation and sex work. Like mm-hmm. the, these days, yeah, it's so yeah. so rare to see hitchhikers yeah. here in the UK. Like, if you do see them, I just think, Jesus, that person's on the run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they do have signs um, because, you know, I do drive past a lot of America's wonderful prisons um, out here and they do have many signs that say do not pick up hitchhikers um, for for this amount of, you know, road or whatever. So I've seen many of those signs. Well, you're not supposed to pick them up. You're not supposed to pick them up anywhere. Anywhere. You shouldn't. Yeah. But what the what the signs say is really against people who are not picking them up. But it's like it's just people that want to do it or anything just says no hitchhiking, you know, because it's reinforcing it because it's more prominent in that area that they feel like they need to have a sign, you know. Well, I'll say this. I mentioned Colorado. I think like in Boulder, I don't don't think they do that anymore. But even up until like the early 90s, at least they had like things just called hitching posts where like you if you needed to go to work or something, you just go out there. And people on their way to work or whatever, we're just, it's a mm-hmm. common thing. You just like are kind of right. like a community thing almost or whatever. You're right, just giving right. people a ride and it was just like a common deal. Not, not so much anymore. They, they, they have had their, you know, share, of course, you know, the world mm-hmm. is an awful place and everything's um, horrible. So they don't do that anymore, but that right. used to be like a, a way you could get around in the, in those, those small yeah. kind of mountain towns in Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. So um, back to the text here, I'm going to get shoot right to the, the the this i'm just gonna get us right to the the fucking nitty-gritty here um and get right to the chapter that says getting laid getting getting laid laid. all right this is advice we could all use here we go yeah don't hey just because you're married dude doesn't mean all right we can give you these advices okay getting laid this is while you're while you're hitchhiking it can hey the longer you're married the The, oh i'm glad flies to you jonathan (laughs) there we go (laughs) And okay. I'm not talking about cheating. I'm talking about just getting laid with your own. I life. know what you're talking about, bro. <laughs> all right, we'll cut this all out louder. Um, <laughs> getting laid. Yep, you can run into the damnedest things out there on the road, including good-looking girls who want to get inside your pants. 
Of course, these days, you better be careful. Might get something on you that won't wash off. Before we go any further here, I want to make it clear that I'm not talking prostitutes here. No whores. Just friendly people (laughs) who want to have a little exotic fun. My personal experience with getting a little on the side while hitchhiking extends to several separate nubile young women, both directly, as in jumping in the sack the same day you first set eyes on them, and indirectly, as in swapping a phone number or having them coming back by unexpectedly to your house after they've dropped you off there over the course of time. Some were were one-shot deal and others became long-term friends and lovers. One of the neat things about getting laid when hitchhiking is that both parties have zero illusions about any romantic horseshit. I mean, there's no doubt at all as to the nature of the relationship. As long as you're fun, I'll keep coming around. You quit being fun, I quit coming by. That's a good good advice anyway. Um, what could be more yeah. straightforward and to the point? None of this dinner and dancing shit. None of this weird indirect crap that a lot of folks love to indulge in. I suppose that if you're the sappy type who thinks a proper relationship ought to have a little more to it than the occasional romp in the hay, you're not going to do very well on return engagements. You won't be any fun. You're taking it too seriously. You can get laid hitchhiking two different ways. One is to have a lusty lady pull over and let you in. The other. That happens all the time. All the time. If I had all the time, pick up hitchhikers. I mean, dude, if we had a whole episode dedicated to that, we could Mm -hmm. Um, all the time. Nubile uh, women. Nubile is very good. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. other is to meet somebody else hitchhiking. Of the two, getting picked up or by the person you're going to be romping with in short order is by far most likely. This is the most unrealistic book I've <laughs> ever heard. <laughs> it, get, it just gets better, dude. One time I got picked up by a guy driving a Corvette with a good looking blonde in a passenger seat. She told me to sit on her lap. It was her car, and she was just letting this guy have a little fun by letting him drive it around. This she is, got to this is all this is <laughs> this woman was a man. This is a good text, dude. People need to people are taking notes. She got to squirming around, and it was pretty obvious what was gonna happen next. They took me back to her house on the ocean, and there was another girl there with the hots. I was on my way to work and already late, so I couldn't stick around for round two. Hell of a job or self-control. Anyway, about a this, month this, later. Well, okay, hold on. This reads like like a like a thirteen year old virgin wrote it. Like, oh, I just I picked uh, I got picked up, and there was this hot girl, and they took me to her house, and there was another hot girl, and they totally both wanted me. It reads like that. It reads like it's a, like, like a, a letter in like a nineties top shelf magazine or something. It's yeah, like a, yeah, like a yeah, penthouse yeah. forum, but yeah, but but, but, but like written, lower but caliber. Written, yeah, and by, but written by like a 14-year-old virgin, like who like yeah, like who's trying to convince his friends he's not still a virgin, you know. I don't know, man. James, you might have to James, that might be fighting words for James McLaren and you. Anyway, about a month later, in the middle of the night, here comes that little white Volkswagen beetle and pulls off to let me in. Once again, there was a guy driving. This time there was a brunette in the passenger seat. Turns out <laughs> that the brunette was the other one in that blonde's house that day. Whoa. He was ready to go. We that's actually written out. <laughs> that, is that is that what the sound that she <laughs> that, made? When that's they were what the text, the text says. That's that's guys, that's when you know it's the best it's ever gonna be. When when a girl says we while you're having sex, no, that's no, you, that's is, how you know you're doing it right. This is fun. Mm-hmm. Let's make up for lost time. 
The only bad part about the whole deal was the look on that guy's face when she said I could spend the night, but he had to go home. Too bad. I felt sorry for him. Once in Hawaii, I got let out at a corner where there was this girl thumbing who was already waiting for a lift. One thing led to another, and after we got picked up, she decided to stop off where I was staying for the time being at a place called Punalu, and we wound up getting it on inside an honest-to-God Hawaiian grass shack, built by an honest-to-God Hawaiian way back when, just like something out of one of those hacky South Pacific movies or something. After playtime was over, she got back out on the road and headed to wherever the hell she was going and disappeared forever. See ya. The point of all this storytelling is to illustrate that, yes. There's a point. There's a point. <laughs> the point of all this storytelling is to illustrate that, yes, it really does happen. Forget planning on anything as far as the wall. Forget planning on anything as far off the wall as getting a piece of ass when hitchhiking. There's no way in hell it's going to work. It's just one of those little bonus items that come along whenever the hell it feels like it. And that's all there is to it. Just be careful. Jesus. Don't go getting AIDS or something. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. I don't I don't know where this guy got picked up and dropped off, but I know where his book should be dropped off and it's in a <laughs> fucking garbage can. Look, no, this okay? is this is full of great, great information, dude. Hitchhiking for women. Okay. Since we're sort oh, of God. subject here, I may as well take the time to detail the particulars of hitchhiking for oh, women. Please do. Please this do. This whole oh, book yeah. is aimed at a male audience. That's for a reason. Most hitchhikers are guys by an overwhelming majority. I might add, so turn this page and we'll go hitchhiking for women. Okay. Okay. And then, and then the other, and then as you guys said earlier, you gave some advice about hitchhiking. So you turn, so the next page for uh, advice, hitchhiking for women, it just says two words. Do not. Yeah. Um, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't He's got that right. I'm, I'm with at him. Least, on yeah. That. At least he got that right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that's that. So if I could, can I read one more thing on drugs, though, and hitchhiking, if I may? Sure, sure. Just okay. before you move on to that, I wanted to say like the, the, the sex thing, I think it would be far more realistic if he was just he just went for anything and, and he was describing an ex the experiences of someone who was so desperate for sex. He's more likely to encounter like holes in the wall at greasy like yeah. truck stops and things like yeah, that. Yeah. That sort of sex, I can, I can I'm more pretty believe. Sure he's probably I would believe that. Yeah, I would believe that. Look, but, look, uh... look. What, what Mr. McLaren is just trying to merely say is like, don't go expecting it. It's going to happen. You know, you, know, you got to yeah. let it happen. Maybe you got to yeah. find that greasy hole. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe, just maybe, you can call that greasy hole wife one day. You know, I'm just saying. Drugs and hitchhiking. Okay. Box. Oh, that stinky box. Now, now that we've covered that cheerful subject, let's go into other another real similar drugs. Yuck, drugs. No fun allowed. Taking <laughs> drugs with you on the road ain't too fucking smart now, is it? So, OK, I don't obviously agree with everything this guy says. Hell, taking <laughs> drugs, period. ain't too. Um, smart. This, this guy is hitchhiking. Who does he to say what's fucking smart to do? <laughs> How long before a cop stops to check you out and just happens to have one of them dogs with him? Or maybe you start acting squirrely and he searches you. Sooner or later, the odds are going to catch up with you. Another very good reason to avoid drugs when hitchhiking is to minimize the chances of getting knocked over the head and losing all those nice rocks or pills or whatever you're in possession of. So not only has this guy never had sex, he's never done drugs. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> never, know what he's talking about. Yeah. Never mind getting hit hard enough to where you don't wake back up or getting pushed out of the car a couple of quarts low on blood. I suppose that if you're doing drugs right now on a regular basis, it probably means you're not going to listen to this. 
You don't listen to anything. Wait, you don't listen very good to anything, do you? Whatever. Anyhow, you can't say I didn't tell you. Needless to say, if somebody that picks you up offers you some of what's going some of what's going around and you accept it, you're on your own. Nothing I can do or say that's going to do you a bit of good. It's strictly a pass or fail test. So that and many other nuggets of hitchhiking wisdom are included in the Hitchhiker's Handbook by James McLaren. I mean, we're, we're all mocking him. Virgin, but, but uh, James- straight edge to the stars. <laughs> <laughs> we're all mocking him, but James McLaren's the guy who got laid with a Hawaiian in a uh, Hawaiian shack made honest by to God, an old Hawaiian. Hawa- honest to God, yeah. Hawaiian shack. Made His, by exact an words, His exact words. <laughs> honest to God. Yeah. So that's so, what people yeah. usually say when they're about to tell a lie. <laughs> <laughs> So you could find James McLaren's whole body of work on. I don't even know. If this is a picture of him on the back, I can't tell. It's a black and white picture with him looking away from the camera. He looks older. So maybe he's an old virgin. Who knows? Either way, hitchhiking. Oh, fuck. Hitchhiking. It's good. It's bad. Whatever. Um, Nick P always wants to pick up a hitchhiker. Good thing we never have room in the car to do it. Um, But yeah, that's our ridiculous read today. I for one Very checking good. that shit out. Yeah, not me. Um, <laughs> all right, your mail. Well, I think, <laughs> all right. Well, I think uh, I think we've ran around enough. Uh, we need to get into our our main topic. Uh, this is something that the three of us have been discussing over the past couple of months. Actually, um, uh, it's something that uh, we all have an interest in. So I'm really excited to get into the topic. So, are we ready, gentlemen? Yes. Yeah, we are. All right, let's get to our let's get to our topic, which is German horror. German leather fucking horror from Deutschland. Deutschland. Yes. Yes. So you guys had a chat. We got a chat going, and you suggested some movies to me a few months ago. Couple yes. months back, yes, and uh, and we were like, yeah, this would be a good thing for a show. And I was like, how can this encapsulate one show? Uh, it's a lot of shit. So um, it's a lot. We're not going to be able to cover all of no, it, um, no. but um, we, you know, we were talking about just extreme horror, and um, you know, this is something that I've had conversations with with several people recently. Is how American horror uh, and horror from much of the world has gotten softer and softer. Uh, as far as, um, at least as far as cinema goes. Um, and when it comes to uh, extreme horror, I think a lot of the best stuff coming out now is from Germany, Australia, um, and from, uh, uh, let's see, like Taiwan, South Korea, you know, places like that, at least within like the last 20 years. Uh, well, but France, France had some amazing France, France as well, France as well, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. They they did in like the early 2000s with Inside and Martyrs and things like that. Um, but uh, there's something there's something uh, very unique about German horror, particularly two German directors who really, really pushed uh, pushed the limits and broke boundaries uh, with uh, some films that actually are older uh, that continue to have a legacy in extreme horror. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that and some other aspects of of uh, German horror culture. Yes. So very, very 
very cool stuff. Where, where, what are we, where are we starting, Chris? Where would you say we're jumping in today? Well, I, I, I think we could start with the two main directors. The, the two that always come to mind when people talk about German horror uh, films, uh, and those, of course, are um, Olaf Ittenbach, uh, who gave us, <clears throat> who gave us Bermudos, and um, and The Burning Moon and Black Past. And then Jorg uh, uh, Budergeist, is, is that it? Budgerite, I think. Budgerite, uh, yeah, who, who gave us the necromantic films and uh, The Death King and Shram and some other stuff. Uh, and those movies are mostly from the 80s and early 90s. Uh, so the, those are the two that we we're going to discuss. Fuck yes! Fuck what yeah! The, what was the set? So uh, we have Olaf uh, Inbach. Inbach. And then what's the second one? Just because I, just for show notes and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, Jorg Budergast. Okay, cool. Budgerite. B-U-T-T. Yeah, G-E-R-E-I-T. Yeah, Budgerite. Budgerite. Gotcha. Cool. Yes, and um, very cool stuff. Very, very, very fun uh, movies you put on for the holiday season uh, when you want to sit around and enjoy your, your family and your friends. I guess, I guess we could start off talking about necromantic because I feel like that's the one that really started it all. Uh, German horror has certainly been innovative um, from the very beginning. I'm talking going back a hundred years to the cabinet of Dr. Caligari and Nosferatu, you know, silent films that are horror classics. These were German uh, films. And of course the German expressionist films uh, also have a, a, a uniqueness to them that really uh, goes hand in hand with horror. Uh, but rather than going into the complete history, which would be several shows, we were going to kind of going to try to focus on these two particular directors and their works. Um, Necromantic was uh, a film that came out in the mid 80s and found distribution uh, in 87. But um, the thing that they had to do with it is uh, because Germany is one of those countries that uh, had very strict rules when it came to censorship and most films that were released there, um, you know, horror films had to be heavily cut and not just at the time, but like, you know, we, we had done uh, an episode on Dr. Giggles uh, and Dr. Giggles in Germany was cut, you know? So even like in the nineties, this was an issue. And Dr. Giggles isn't even that extreme. Uh, but they also, there were so many films that were, that were outright banned in Germany, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Evil Dead. Um, so with uh, Necromantic, they just didn't even submit it at all for rating yeah. because they knew they had no chance. So it was distributed directly to adult audiences only. And it got this kind of underground following and then word spread beyond German borders. Uh, you know, because this was considered like the most sick, fucked up, twisted movie ever made at the time. And it continues to be in the top 10 sickest most disgusting movies yeah ju just thematically it's one it's one of the most extreme films certainly of that mm -hmm. era and i think that bits of it still definitely hold up now even compared to you know modern films where they're really trying to push the boundaries even now right. but um i read that uh Budgerite made that film specifically to just piss to piss people off he right. didn't even envision himself as being as being the director he just wrote it to infuriate people and right. i mean uh, you're talking about movies being banned in in germany you know i'm in the uk and we had the video nasties and stuff like right. that and it took 27 years before necromantic was allowed to be released uncut in this country yeah, yeah. Um, so, so like even even here today 
even here in America, it was um, it was impossible to find. It was the kind of thing um, where there there used to be this thing. I think we talked about it before when we talked about a uh, band when we did our whole thing on band films, uh, John Wayne. Mm. Um, but there, you know, there used to be the uh, the tape trading, like in the back of like VHS rags and horror magazine stuff, where mm. you could do tape trades with people by mail, and that's really the way that that necromantic kind of spread, at least in America. Um, is like you couldn't go into a store and get necromantic. Uh, even uh, even in the 90s, even even then, like, you know, with video stores, it was very hard to come by this movie. Um, so you really had to go through, like, almost personal ads, like people looking for sick, fucked up movies and you do the tape trades or buy, like, a, a, a ripped copy. And tape trading's been, like, that's how a lot of music got, you know, from overseas to sure. here and back and forth that, that that's been a big thing in, in the music as well as especially with metal Absolutely. and the genres of metal like we like we talked about our series with uh ryan harding on uh the, you know history of death metal grind metal uh you know so it seems like and that and that almost can go hand in hand those genres of music with the genres of film um kind you know kind yeah. of along the same lines you know it's like these these kind of well this kind of music is not getting distributed in the United States or, you know, or very short runs and stuff. And and the same thing with these movies, you know, you guys are saying they can't even put them out. So people are just trading yeah. shit back and forth. Um, one thing I want to ask you, Chris, so like, you know, maybe you said that, you know, these in America, we, we have uh, our shits a little bit more tame than this, but they were under more strict like MPAA, I guess, whatever's over there. Mm -hmm. how, so how did they, they just like, so is that like a, you think that's just a reaction because these countries, they had more censorship put upon them or so the reaction is like, well, we're going to make the most fuck kind of like what you were saying, Jonathan, like he made this movie just to kind of piss yeah. people off type of thing. That, oh, is yeah, that absolutely. why we get this extreme like it's more extreme coming from here because it's this huge pushback on that kind of stuff? Yes, no, that's definitely the case. Uh, it's the same thing with a Serbian film uh, where uh, most films in Serbia you know, it's all very Disney. It's all very family friendly. So that's one of the reasons that, that when they made that film, that they made it so extreme. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's actually a fuck you to to the uh, film censorship and the attack on the arts that uh, they experience in Serbia. I love um, when so, art comes out that it's a fuck you to somebody. I love those. Right, kind of, right. I love those albums. I love those. I love that kind of shit. I mean, I, I'm cynical as fuck. So, yeah, I, I love it, too. But I also just think, yeah, but it's a great way to get notorious, isn't it? It is it's a great yeah. way to, to, you know, if, if you, you know, because I, I, I like Woodgarite and I have to say that um, it's been awesome watching uh, movies from both of these directors, because while I've dipped my toe in them before, um, I've, I haven't really immersed myself in them, which I certainly have done mm -hmm. for the last couple of weeks. And I've, I've really enjoyed them, but he's like at the time, <sighs> it's a rough around the edges movie. Let, let's, let's, the let's first be honest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's very amateurishly made yeah. uh, and it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't even flow like a, a regular movie going experience. There's a lot of yeah. dream sequences and a lot of, uh, there's very little dialogue. Um, it's just like a lot of images thrown together really. Yeah. yeah, but 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 what a way to you know to jump on. I, in fact, I don't even know if he became instantly famous or notorious or infamous when when that came out. I don't really know the history of it, but you know mm. what 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 a good way for an experimental, maybe you know amateurish director to to make a name for himself by making right, it what, right. at the time was probably the sickest German movie ever to, to be made. Yeah, one of the sickest movies ever ever made. Period. Yeah. You know, um, 
you know, you think of some of the other controversial films that you know we've discussed previously, like Cannibal Holocaust and things like that. There's definitely a lot of stuff coming out of Italy and America in the 1970s that was very transgressive and very uh, offensive and twisted and dark. You know, you had a lot of you know, movies like Maniac and, and things like that. Uh, but Necromantic took it to another level with the, with the sex stuff, I think. Uh, and it was also like the first movie um, that I can think of that was so that so graphically shows, as the title suggests, uh, necrophilia. You know, the movie dedicated to necrophilia. You're not going to get much of story, much dialogue. You're just like, hey, this guy has a, gets a dead body and he and his woman fuck the dead body through the entire movie. You See, know? Do, do you think do you think that like um, we like Michelle and I were disappointed at how little actual corpse fucking there, there was in that film. There's like two scenes of it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I, you're, you're, I, that's true. That's true. There is a lot of there's a lot of other stuff that just feels like filler to stretch it out to movie length. Yeah. It's not. Is it? Yeah. So what I mean is like the whole point of the movie is, hey, oh, look, yeah. they're fucking a corpse. It's not oh, yeah. the entire movie, but that's the whole point. That's the whole draw. It's the whole reason we watch the movie. Yeah, and, and yeah. there is a lot of also just icky, gross stuff surrounding right. the actual act, like the apartment. Right. That in is in that movie was my favorite thing about it. The whole yeah. apartment is just fucking gross. There's so it many is. awesome details yeah. um, in there. Like the bed has got like metal grated fencing at the bottom yeah. uh, and, and above the headboard. And there's just like yeah. piles of drunk cans, like beer, empty beer cans and stuff behind it. And all of the, the jars filled with the body yeah, parts. I assume it's a spoiler filled conversation, is it? No, it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. yeah, there's, yeah, there's, they have like, you know, because the the, the main character, the, the, the man, uh, he does kind of like crime scene cleanup, I guess, and he has yeah. access to, to this. And so, like, yeah, he'll take an eyeball or he'll take some teeth or whatever. And he just has jars of human remains throughout his house. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. The actual the actual setting that it's in, and and the shots of the corpse when it's like attached to the wall, the one that yeah. he ends up like bringing back and fucking. And when he's when he's killed the cat, yeah, and he's in the bath. There's this amazing shot of him just lying there, just naked in the bath with a with a cat just dripping blood. Yeah, dripping into blood. it. The, yeah. oh, the whole movie just stinks. It's brilliant. Yeah, it is. It's it's just it's very. Um, it's very, it's very like just offensive to all senses at all times, um, which uh, is it, definitely to its credit. Uh, but it is, like you said, rough around the edges too. And there's there's times where it's very kind of dull, where it's just like this kind of piano music playing and the camera's kind of swirling in this like wheat field or on the beach or something. I may be getting the first one and the second one confused here. No, uh, I, but, think, I, I think it is that one because he, yeah. he ends up running, swinging like a bowel or spinal yeah. column yes, or something yeah 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 yeah, yeah it's a vertebrae or something yeah uh but there's a lot of just like nothing happening and just this kind of dreaminess uh they also he also uses um uh stock footage of uh of a rabbit breeder slaughtering yeah. a rabbit um so i don't take too much beef with that as i would say with cannibal holocaust where they actually killed animals while making the movie for the sake of the shock yeah. with this he just utilizes footage of a guy when what they do when they skin a rabbit, you know, so you yeah. get to see this rabbit slaughtered and and skinned. Which I expected is... it to be a lot worse than than, than it actually was because I mm-hmm. like, I'm a massive meat eater, but I don't like seeing it on film particularly. Me either. either. But yeah, I mean, it yeah. certainly yeah. didn't seem particularly. It wasn't like Bad Boy Bobby or or anything like that. Where right, you really right. Relish the murder of an animal. Right, right. Yeah. So I I give it more of a, a pass than I do to say Cannibal Holocaust or Cannibal Fear X or something like that. 
because uh, it really is just stock footage um, that they used. Uh, and the animal's not being tortured or anything. It's just a quick kill, like what they do. But it's there, but it's inserted into the, the film with no, uh, for context. no other, it's just, yeah. Yeah, with no context, no yeah. context. Yeah, it's just, just there for shock value. Like there's no like, there's no moment where the character's like, hey, we're going to have dinner. We're going to eat this rabbit. They just show it. They just show it for no fucking reason whatsoever. Yeah. But it, yeah. it is quite cool when it comes back at the end and as he's, you know, during the final spectacular right. sequence, yes, it, it's shown in reverse. Yeah. The, yes, the, it the is. rabbit. So as yes. he finally, I guess, gains like this meaning to his life, despite the fact that he's killing himself, mm -hmm. um, the, the the rabbit gains its life back as well. I kind of thought that was quite cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those movies where it's, you're like, is there? Am I reading more into this than there is? Is it? Are these trying to be profound in a way, or is this just weirdness for the sake of weirdness? I think you know? a little from column A and a little from column B. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those ones that makes me doubt myself sometimes. Like, maybe I'm reading more into it. I don't know. Well, the, the fact that he made, is it Scram or Shram? Shram, yeah. yeah. Which, tra the, the, which translates to scratch. Right. Yeah. The very fact that he made that tells me that he, he certainly does have an artistic eye. So yeah. despite the yeah. fact that it's a bit rougher in Necromantic, I, I think that it was purposeful as well. And mm. yeah, it was just yeah. like a, a fledgling filmmaker and artist finding his feet a bit. Right. So um, John Wayne, I, I, I have an interest. I have, I have an interesting. Well, I have well question. Do you know, Jonathan, what the laws on necrophilia are in your area? It's just illegal everywhere. No, <laughs> no it's not. No, no it's, it's not. not. I'm no, about to. Not, I'm dude. about to blow your mind, dude. That's why yeah, I, yeah, I really, yeah. there, really? There, there are states in America there are where nine. Um, it's just like breaking, breaking and entering. Nine, no, nine U.S. states have no laws yeah. that address necrophilia. They what? are, they are Illinois, Kansas. Okay, we're moving to Illinois. <laughs> Kansas, Louisiana, Nebraska, New Mexico, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Vermont, and Wisconsin. Well, no North law, Carolina no, doesn't, doesn't surprise me. I live there. It doesn't no laws me. at all. I no feel like there is, there is a law here because I, I feel like I've heard the law desecration of a corpse. Um, yes, and I know exactly. that down yeah down the that, road from where I used yeah. to live, um, that there was a case of like a guy who worked in a funeral home who was fucking the bodies who was prosecuted for it. Yeah. Um, and that was not so long ago. So I don't know the exact laws. I must have been, haven't researched it yet. Maybe if I ever write a book about it, I will. Um, but that's the but thing. Yeah, it's, it's like not... you're, maybe there's no, maybe like the word necrophilia isn't used in the law writing in those states, but desecrating a corpse, corpse is illegal. And that does fall into that category. If you're, if you are a funeral director and you're fucking dead bodies in North Carolina or Vermont or any of these places, you are going to go to jail. Okay, so sexual penetration of a corpse was made illegal under the Sexual Offences Act 2003, carrying a maximum sentence of two years imprisonment. Prior to 2003, necrophilia was not illegal. However, exposing a naked corpse in public was classed as a public nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like being that's like drunk like in public or something, like a drunk and disorderly. <laughs> I'm on watch lists already. I must be from you know, researching terrorism. So what's one more? Oh, God. Yeah. With all, with all the stuff that I write, all the stuff I research. Yeah. Forget it. Um, it it's punishable by one to 10 years in prison here in the States where it is illegal. So, is that federal yeah. law? Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, federal law will cover it, even if it's not state law. Yeah. 
yeah it's totally fun stuff funny. i thought fun stuff yeah yeah it is you know the, i i did read somewhere at one point that some considered it particularly when the movie came out in 87 um like that some saw it as a, somewhat of an allegory on the aids epidemic and safe sex which i thought was kind of interesting i'm not sure how or why they came to that conclusion but i did read that there was no like connect it like how they got to that or I, I i'm actually i actually might research that just to see well what i think their, it's what just like, path was yeah. like well i mean this was well with aids that was the first like you're gonna die std yeah. you know right. i mean i guess syphilis too was an issue with that but in the 1980s aids was like was like this new was this new disease and was like this heavy death sentence that came with it um you know whereas like previously it was like, you know, you take some penicillin, you clear up the gonorrhea or chlamydia or whatever you have. Um, so I think some people, because of the time that the movie came out, people kind of linked the two, like the sex mm. and death, you know, theme. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Yes. That makes so. sense. But uh, the movie... It's a bit of a stretch, but I, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. Uh, I have a few facts about the movie. Please. Uh, the, the film uh, uh, John Waters... You know, our famous director, John Waters, proclaimed Necromantic as the first ever erotic film for necrophiliacs, which I think is true and fair. Uh, the film is currently banned outright in uh, Iceland, Malaysia and Singapore and, province, and the provinces of Nova Scotia and Ontario and Canada. It's still banned to this day. Uh, in in Nova Scotia? The, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, in 1992, the Australian Classification Board banned the film outright in Australia due to graphic necrophilia content. And in 1993, the film was banned in Finland. Uh, the film was banned outright by the New, New Zealand Office of Film and Literature Classification in 1999 due to, quote, revolting, objectionable content, uh, including necrophilia, high impact violence, animal cruelty, and abhorrent behavior. Uh, the film is banned in a number of other countries as well. In 2014, the British Board of Film Classification passed the film uncut with a 18 certificate, which is what uh, Jonathan mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, the film spawned a sequel four years later, Necromantic 2, by the same director, uh, in which uh, Patrice Banowiski reprises her role as Betty in a short cam cameo. Uh, so I guess well, that leads us into Necromantic Part 2. Unless you have, guys have more you want to say about the original. Um, I had a couple of notes I just wanted to mention. I want to go, briefly yeah. go back to the rabbit seeing because it's difficult to chat and, and see these. But like um, we did say when we were watching it that despite the fact that the rabbit scene comes out of nowhere, it's interspersed with shots of the corpse being given its autopsy. And it does make that feel more gnarly because you're interspersing yeah. real stuff with, with, with very, very good special effects. It, right, it adds right. a gritty nastiness to that as well. Um, that is also, something... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go. Well, I was just going to say that is something that even though we were saying it's rough around the edges, the movie isn't uh, like it doesn't have the best you know acting performances in it or anything like that. Uh, considering that it was virtually an, an amateur film, uh, the special effects are quite good. Oh, yeah. uh, con considering uh, that you know like the the small budget and like the the lack of resources that they had, the special effects are are quite good, particularly for the time. That's all I was going to add. Except for the fake penis, which is laughably crap. Yeah, it is. It is. But what they do with it is so good. Um, yeah. And so boundary pushing, particularly for its time. 
Uh, it was rare as hell to even see a penis in anything that wasn't that wasn't an adult film. Um, yeah. So and to see it doing what they do in that finale—that's the one thing I don't want to spoil because the finale is so fucking bananas. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, if you really have something more you want to say about it, go ahead. But no, not at all. Um, the only yeah. other thing I wanted to say was that uh, the eyeball sucking stuff is yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also that the se- uh, the second sex scene, which is just between the woman and the corpse when mm-hmm. she leaves him, um, that is very reminiscent of something that um, is alluded to in Necromantic 2. So there's mm-hmm. a scene in Necromantic 2 when on the wall in the apartment, you see a picture of a woman called, I think, Karen Green or something. Mm-hmm. I might be able to get the name, actually. Uh, Karen Greenlee, who is an actual necrophile. She works in a, as an apprentice in Barma, was arrested for stealing a hearse and interfering with a funeral. She also confessed to having sex with 20 to 40 corpses. And I found an interview um, with Karen Greenlee um, and the things that she discussed doing with corpses are basically what she does with the corpse in, in Necromantic. Um, yeah. yeah, no, no, Necromantic. Oh, so even, even before okay. they made the yeah. reference to that, either he'd done his research pretty carefully the stuff about like 69ing the holding of hands and all of that stuff that's yeah. just totally what karen greenley did for realsies wow wow good um, for her yeah <laughs> uh one last thing i want to add just uh because we're talking about like this i thought this was funny there's a a, a part of a review i want to read from the internet movie uh database uh, IMDb is that what it is international movie whatever it is what but the but the but the <laughs> the fucking uh subject line of this is one heck of a moist movie which I just <laughs> love that because how many people are like ooh, I don't like that word moist moist and I'm yeah. like why what yeah. is wrong with moist but that tickles me like that but uh he you know they they have other stuff but like he says believe it or not watching them have sex with a gooey body is not the nastiest thing you'll see here all manners of assorted atrocities are committed for your viewing unpleasure. Most all of them rank in the so sick you can hardly watch category. I will not spoil them. Just rest assured the gorehounds will most certainly be pleased if not disgusted. And they talk a little bit more, but I thought That's that was fair. funny. Just like that, that moist, <laughs> moist fucking one heck of a moist movie. Hey, did you see Necromantic? Yeah. What'd you think? Pretty moist. Okay. <laughs> Which is accurate. I would argue which the is accurate. Is even more moist. That oh yeah, it's like a moistier the fucking f- basement flooded panties edition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, anyway. onward to onward to part two, which was filmed in 1990, came out in 91. Uh, part two is similarly is about a necrophiliac. Uh, this one is more focused on a, a female character. Uh, it does pick up where the first one left off, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I want to. I don't want to go. We don't have enough time to go into the into the entire plot. But what we have is we have this woman who's much like the woman that uh, Jonathan was just talking about, who she is uh, romantically involved with dead bodies. Uh, the the thing that I find the most interesting about Necromantic Two, uh, from a film standpoint, is that. Uh, uh, the, the film was seized by authorities in Munich 12 days after its release. And that's an action that has had no precedent in Germany since the Nazi era. They actually wow. seized the fucking movie. Yeah. 
Um, and that's something you have to keep in mind with German horror too, is that there was definitely a lull uh, in you know, post-World War II Germany when it came to horror because of the horrors of what happened uh, mm -hmm. because of Hitler and the Nazis and everything. I think it was just, uh, no one really was in the mood for any kind of horror. So even though we had all of this uh, innovative horror filmmaking that, uh, that um, came before the war, after the war, it was some time before we really started to see a return to that uh, mm -hmm. in German film. Just an interesting. I, I think it's cool cycle. as fuck that there's that like outlaw aspect to it. Right. Um, absolutely. You know, you, in a lot of places, you can just make anything now. Who yeah. cares? Sell, sell it yeah. online, and it's fine. But you know, back then, you can, you can get arrested for it. Like you say, he was. He was. How how many days after it was made or released? Did you Tw say twelve they days? Twelve days. Yeah. <laughs> a Munich police confiscated the film, leading an interviewer to ask him, um, uh, ask uh, Bootgerait. Uh, how does it feel to be Germany's most wanted filmmaker? <laughs> and he said, uh, he was about, I'm not sure how to feel at the moment. I'm afraid of a police raid, uh, but I'm really proud of the film, if that's what you mean. Uh, the reason reportedly glorified violence, according to uh, Bootgerite, uh, the thing that people find offensive about Necromantic 2 is that it doesn't, is that it doesn't accuse Monica, uh, which is the main character. Um, at a different point in the interview, uh, Budergeit states, it was very important to me that the audience is on Monica's side, even with her doing these terrible things, uh, which I think is actually very true in the way that the film is presented. You don't see Monica as this villainous character. You almost kind of sympathize with her yeah, in a way. Exactly. Yeah, totally. uh, like that she's like, a, like this kind of lonely, awkward girl and can't like make things work. And so she she finds love with these dead bodies, you know? And, and I, yeah, I really like that kind of storytelling where you, where you like scratch, you know, on the surface, it's like, what the fuck is this? But actually yeah. it's telling you this story about a human connection, like how she's achieving this. It's a human story. Like it, it, you, it gets down to the humanity of it. That's what pisses me off about bizarro stuff these days is like, it just lost its connection to humanity and got like, let's mm. just gross out. It doesn't have to be about anything. And like, no, these movies can actually be about something, but they just have this thing. I don't know. I like that yeah. kind of aspect of yeah. the, story, the storytelling. Yeah. This uh, Necromantic two also has a lot of, um, a lot of nothing happening. No, that's man, the, a lot of the a I lot think, of the reviews are are yeah. say that exact thing. I think I think it's I think much I think more so than the first movie. There's a oh, lot. Oh yeah, of, it's half an hour longer. Yeah, and there's a, and a, and a lot of it could have been cut out because there's a lot of nothing happening and a lot mm -hmm. of just piano music playing and she's just like walking around in the park and shit like that. Um, so Necromantic Two, because it's longer and because there's more of that, it's it doesn't quite have the same effect. Um, but it makes up for it in its spectacular finale, and it makes up for it in the, the scenes that are gnarly are really fucking gnarly. Um, particularly that finale is super effective, I think. Um, oh, it's that, awesome. yeah. I think out of, out of the two films, the finale of Necromantic 2 is the one that feels the most real to me. It just seems very realistic in the way yeah. that it's filmed and the way that they present it, and it's so fucked up. And um, we won't spoil it because you said you don't want to. But when yeah. the music rises uh, at, at the final part, that's mm -hmm. I think the 
the least damning indictment of the character. It's like, oh, she's she's found what she needed now. Right, and right. It, and it's yeah, like, it's oh, of, thank goodness. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the music, the music is very romantic sounding, yeah. very like in in enlightening or very uplifting, you know? Mm, yeah. Definitely. So it, it's not presented. That's the interesting thing about these two movies, is they're not presented as horror films. They're presented as these like soul-searching movies and these romantic movies. And that's what makes them all the more disturbing is it's not like, oh, these characters are killers and they're fucking the dead bodies. It's not like that. It's 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 more, um, you know, you don't feel like you're watching Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer or something. Mm-hmm. It's it's they're really their, their own their own entity, you know. Um, well, because most of it is a victimless crime. Yes, most of it. Yes, that, that's one of the more interesting things. That's one of the big differences between that yeah. and Henry. There, there isn't that much human suffering, really. It's no, it's, no. It's either two the first people. One. Yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah, there's totally. any in the first one. You know. Well, I mean, if it fucks him up, doesn't it? He, he doesn't well, it seem does. like the happiest of people. No, no, it doesn't. No, I mean, uh, I don't think anybody who fucks dead bodies is necessarily a happy, well-adjusted person. But yeah. you know, in, ne- in necromantic, you know, they're not—they don't kill people to get the bodies or anything. No. You know, they right. just come yeah. across them. You know, yeah. so. I actually prefer the set, despite the fact that it does drag a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually prefer the second one to the first one um, yeah. because just the corpse is so wretched. Yes. It's it is disgusting. fucking disgusting. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, it is. And I, and I when- agree. And some of the parts in it, like when um, it's not really a spoiler, when she ends up cutting the body up. Mm-hmm. That whole sequence is absolutely rancid it when she, like she cuts off the penis and yep, yep. hacking through the arm. And it's, and it's not like a, um, a, a quick thing. She's absolutely terrible at dismembering a body. Yes, she is. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, yeah. It goes on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I actually agree with you in that, uh, that I think that the second one, despite, the fact that it drags, uh, I think it's much more effective when it comes to how vile and and how shocking it is. Um, yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree, particularly the finale. But uh, all of those, all of the scenes in it, like you said, the corpse is much more uh, vile and putrid, and it looks so much more real than oh, yeah, the first the face one. is is, is yeah. yeah. Like I, I I was doing double takes almost at first, thinking, is that just a person? dressed up as a corpse but i don't right. i don't think it is i think I it's just a really so. really yeah. well-made model it really but is it's very well done there is some funny shit in there though definitely yeah oh yeah if, there's if, there's if elements of comedy if you're a sick fuck there's elements of comedy in both of them for sure for sure um that there's a bit during one of the sex scenes when she's basically like riding the corpse's face um and it it, it shows her her camera angle um like her her point of view and it's just the view of the rotten dick coming closer, as yeah. going away from the camera, which had me in stitches. Um, yeah, I, I, I really liked, uh, I really liked Necromantic too, despite the fact that it was, it was a lot more, uh, a lot longer. I didn't like, I, again with the animal stuff, I find right. that scene baffling, and yeah. I, and but and also despite the fact that I preferred it, I felt. Uh, and Michelle agreed that there was there was the potential for it to actually be a, a genuinely good film because I wouldn't argue that it's genuinely good. I'd say I like mm-hmm. it, right, um, right? But there was there was stuff that wasn't explored, um, and the fact that there's the cameo of the previous um, female necrophile, mm-hmm. I would have liked to see 
that side of it developed. Right. And also, she's got like a coven of necrophile friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, hinted that's, at. That, that would be a story that would have been a great sequel. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah. And they did continue. I mean, um, uh, Luther Guides did continue the story um, in comic book form. There's a comic book series that were released in uh, Germany on the label. I'm probably going to say it wrong. Uh, Wispluck Comics. How do you spell that? I'm looking that up. Uh, dub Weissblock. Uh, it's W E I S S B L E C H. Um, and then yeah, shortly so af- a- after the comic book form, it did come out in Pog form as well. So yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm not even making this up. There, I I haven't seen them or read them. I don't know if they explore, um, you know, like the two women coming together or the group of cam- wow. or the group of necroph- group of necrophilia. I can't speak. It's too hot. <laughs> The group of necrophiliacs, I don't know if they explore that or what. I have no idea what they're about. I could find very little information about that, but it, they did continue it. It's a comic book series, a, a short-lived one. That that, that centers around the cousin group or whatever? That's no, a- I don't know. I don't oh, know what okay, it centers okay, around. Because okay. that would I just be cool, yeah. like you said. Yeah. yeah. I but. can get it for seven euros. All right. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> <pull> back. <laughs> He's buying it as we speak, live is on it, the show. Is it in German, though? It's in English. He, he it did, is? They, they did an English edition. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Send me Fuck that link to the. Yeah. Send me the link. Drop that link in our group <laughs> chat if you don't mind. Bye. I'm going to forward it like it's hot. Now, yeah, that's cool, man. I didn't know there was a comic book about that. I want to check that out for sure. Yeah, this 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 episode may have to be a two part episode anyway because there's so much to discuss oh yeah, I mean, yeah we talked about right. just doing uh yeah Budgerite and uh um it's embarking one and then yeah. maybe looking at the other ones uh another time but yeah. we'll see we'll see how far well, we, we can go, do whatever we want we're badass motherfuckers so yes. you know. well i mean we were also going to talk about it in book uh german horror in books and music as well so we do so we need to lot. break this up into a few things there's a lot we have to talk yeah, about we probably about. have to yeah, yeah they probably do. have to. So maybe maybe we'll just focus on uh, on uh, uh, Bootgaret this time. What do you okay. think? Yeah, I'm yeah. Not sure. Because we've, bo- nope. we've already been on for like two hours. I know we had a lot of uh, technical difficulties, but, but we've already been on for a while. So that's cool. Let's but- just talk about our boy Booty. Oh man, that's cool. I do, but I I did. I'm up, man. I really liked the Olaf, uh, the Ittenbach movie. I love those oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was my personal him. favorite. So maybe he. Well, do you want to go? Do you want to just? Do you want to just dive into him, or do you want to do just the next? No, episode? I mean, we got to talk about do, Scram. We can we? do him. We can do him on the next yeah. episode because okay. there's a lot of Cause, me, we have a lot I actually, to talk about. I strongly prefer Olaf's Ittenbach. Oh yeah. Okay, me too. Okay, so we're on the okay. Cool. Absolutely. No, his his films are fucking phenomenal. Um. But I, I think he owes. I think he owes a lot uh, to Booth Garite. You know? Of course, of course, yeah. He definitely does. Um, so yeah, we do have to talk about some of uh, the other stuff that um, our friend Booth Garite has given us. Um, and I mean, we can jump right into Shram, or we can jump into the Death King. See, I uh, haven't seen the Death King. Der okay. Death King. I haven't um, seen so Shram. So, but I would okay. like to hear you guys talk about it. So that seems well, to be what you jump right into. So let's get well the it. Death King. The Death King. We, there's, there's not much to say about um, if if you guys don't haven't seen it yet because that one is actually kind of like vignettes. It's not even one full story. It's just like weird short films that are just disturbing and dark, um, and people just 
killing themselves and stuff like that. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's kind of like his creep show, I guess you could say, you know, it's different, different short stories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we could definitely get into Shram. Uh, we can do that for the rest of the show and then we'll come back next time with uh, Mr. Butcher and we'll talk about Olaf. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. So let's see here. Pull this up. Shram me, baby. Shram. Yeah. 1993. Yeah. It says. Uh, so, I, you know, um, I, I will say that uh, you know this director he did a lot of other stuff but we're focusing on his more um his more well-known and more controversial things is more it's the stuff that you can find more regularly because he also did uh he did like a short film about ed gein uh and he did some documentary stuff um didn't he do comic book stuff as well I, yeah. I seem to see things in IMDb. Yeah, he's he's done no, like he did. relatively mainstream stuff. Huh? Yeah, he did do some mainstream stuff. Um, okay, so Schramm, yeah, from 1993. Uh, it's a German horror film, obviously. tells the story of a man referred to in the media as the lipstick killer who is believed to have had multiple victims. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is a weird one. It's weird because it's not, it's not exactly what you would expect. Like, I had already seen a lot of uh, the director's other stuff before seeing Shram and see Shram because I'd heard about it and some of its extreme stuff. Uh, but it was it's presented as if it's going to be a serial killer movie, but it, it doesn't really play out like that. You know what I mean? Would, would you agree, Jonathan? I mean, it's about a serial killer, but not about his serial killings. Exactly. Like, he he exactly. is the lipstick killer, but yeah, right. it's it. It, it sort of screams student art project a little bit. Um, it very much screams that. Yeah. 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 But, but I would say that it is his most genuinely artful piece. There are bits in mm. it that I thought were so, so effective. Like even Absolutely. from the very, very beginning, just Absolutely. like the heavy breathing that's going on during the opening credits um, and the shots of the, the people running, there's like a shot of a, uh, like a marathon or a, uh, a town race with joggers and stuff like that and at first mm. i was like why why are they showing this this is just pretentious it doesn't mean anything but then later on when you've seen him commit some atrocities and do some awful things to himself you see that he's taking part in the race and mm. that just made me think they, they could be everywhere could be anywhere exactly. you never know who you're talking to right he's you just there know. amongst these yeah. runners doing a completely normal thing and, and mm -hmm. i thought that was brilliant yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do like that too. Um, what what threw me is in thinking that like, oh, this is a serial killer film from short Butcher guides, you know, like I expected him to do a lot of fucking killing. And he really only kills like two people in the two, movie. I think, yeah. Yeah, that's it. And the rest of it is really just showing how fucked up and damaged the guy is. It's a lot of him at home alone, uh, with uh, some incredible self mutilation scenes. Oh yeah. Which, which you and I were texting each other about, like, you think that was real? <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh yeah. 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 I... yeah there's uh yeah, that's, that's the scene that I think really stands out and everyone talks about is there's a scene where he's uh, at home and he's mutilating his genitals mm -hmm. and he, the, the actor playing him has an uncircumcised penis and he's uh, driving nails through the foreskin. And if it's, it looks very, very real the way it's done. 
Yeah, it's, it's, I wouldn't be surprised. I would. Is there anything that is there any like uh like research or anything that they're like? Yes, yeah, I did actually do that. And then we circumcised him right afterwards. I I, so <laughs> I there, tried. I couldn't. I've find not it. been able to find information about it. Uh, it's there's very little info on it. One thing that is uh that it, it that I did read about is it opens with a quote that I actually already knew from serial killer Carl Panzram, uh, who says some has said some very demented crazy things uh in in, in his life of brutality uh and it's loosely based on the criminology uh profiles of him and other killers but it is loosely based on pan's ram which is makes it all the funnier that the movie only shows two murders but pan's ram was a brutally violent uh mm -hmm. human being um in fact when i wrote full brutal there was something that pan's ram said that i kind of took and used uh, for Kim to say, uh, you know, like Panzram said in his memoirs, that for all of the horrible things he's done, he's not the least bit sorry. And I have Kim say that at one point in the book, like for all the horrible things I've done, I am not the least bit sorry. Because I always thought that was particularly chilling, mm -hmm. uh, the, the complete lack of remorse that Panzram had for all the things yeah. he had done. But Shram, um, the, the main character, uh, he doesn't come off like, like Pans Ram did at all. He's polite. He's neighborly. You know, he's 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 a cab driver. He makes a, a, an honest living. You know, like all of these things that uh, that are, are like the polar opposite of um, of Carl Pans Ram. Mm -hmm. But like you said, Jonathan, the it, it shows that these that murderers do lead regular lives. You know that they they are they can be come across like normal people, much like Ted Bundy came across or uh, Edmund Kemper, you know, these were people that had, that functioned in society. They weren't all like these domestic and liked. outcasts. Yeah. And were liked, yeah. and were liked. In fact, Ed, uh, Edmund Kemper was actually very well liked by uh, the police department. Uh, yeah. He had a lot of, he did a lot, a lot of friends. He would hang us. out with the police and talk right. to them about all, yeah. He right, was, they would hang out at the local the bar, bar and everything. And yeah. This is yeah, yeah. Bumble exactly. Button. Yeah. Exactly. I, that, like, uh, just to mention, like, <clears throat> Uh, you were talking about your book about full brutal Chris like in um, my book as seen on TV it's about a serial killer but it is nothing about him killing or or being a killer he just happens that's what he is and everything right. is about this obsession that he has that's what the book right. is about right. so I now I'm very even more interested and I'm gonna have to get the yeah. show and, and catch up with, with you guys and on and Shrum really does have like does show like an obsession side with him where he's obsessed with his neighbor uh, uh, Marianne who's a prostitute <laughs> Uh, he's like you could tell he's very much in love with her but it's kind of like just a uh, he's kind of in the friend zone with her even though she's a prostitute um but can the movie you get also, if you get friend zoned by a prostitute you got there's some problems there you're you're gonna become a serial killer yeah i guess so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i guess that's what pushes the pushes you to it um <laughs> but um but there's also an element of horror in seeing what she does almost in a requiem for a dream kind of way where she's like going to these weird parties with these weird men that want her to do strange things, not just guys that want to have sex with her, but they want her to dress a certain way and be tied up and, and, and things like that. I don't want to spoil it all. But uh, ironically enough, she asks Shram, uh, you know, the main character, she asks him to, to escort her so she'll feel safer. Yeah. You know, which is which is hilarious. Like she has no idea that he's, you know, this this murderer and this demented man. Uh, and at one point in the film, uh, she passes out drunk. Well, he he roofies her and you think he's going to do uh, these terrible things to her. But 
what he does is certainly wrong, but it's more like in a sad way, you know, like he's just like, you know, he doesn't rape her or anything like that. He's just like, just starts to masturbate and it's just like in this angry masturbation and everything. He's not um, the he, best he's just kind of masturbation though. sad man, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's just a tortured, sad man. And that's really what you get from the movie is this snapshot of just how, how in pain he is. Yeah. It's it's a really depressing film, really. It is like ne- ne- necromantic it is. one and two, like they're they're gross and ick, and it's about tortured individuals and stuff like that. But this yeah. is very much a character study about it someone is. who's completely lost their mind. And I've I've actually got a favorite moment from the movie, which has nothing mm. to do with Shram. Okay. Um, it may and it's rare for a movie to do this. Um, it made my jaw drop. Um, and it's, uh, I think it takes place either when they're walking from the car or maybe at the end of their dinner date friend thing. Um, and Shram and the sex worker next door walk past the camera and there's a homeless guy sat against, or, or you think it's a homeless guy yes, or maybe an alcoholic yes, or something like yeah, that, just at the side of the street, picks up a gun, blows himself away. Yep, Context free. Yep. Uh, but it if there's anything that is just so resonant of what that film feels like it's just this utterly pointless life you know nothing yeah. about just just yeah. shoot himself in the head and i was yeah Fuck, that's amazing yeah it is it is that does really grab you because like you said the, there's no context given there's no story about this homeless person you just happen to see him kill himself yeah um, that that's really like you yeah that's like the essence of this movie is you're still getting a snapshot into into human suffering you know and that's really what the death king comes off as as well it's not a lot of murder in that it's like you you're literally watching people jump off bridges and kill themselves and stuff in his vignette collection um and shram is also a, a short film in in a, not a short film but a shorter film it's it's just uh, just a little over an hour long so he kind of tightened things up compared to, say, you know, Necromantic 2, which feels like it goes on forever. Yeah. The the, the gore is excellent in, in Shram. Yeah. It, but it, it's not like gore that you can relish in the same way because it's in quite a depressing film. It is, um, yeah. Like, quite often when there's some gore, I'm just like, fuck yeah. But, like, when it happens in that, I think it has uh, a certain amount more impact than others. There's an eyeball scene that rivals yeah. Fulci. Yeah. Whoa. yeah. It's really good. Yeah. 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 The, the whole dentist scene and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> wild. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some good, uh, gory, disturbing moments in it. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of like the, the self mutilation and everything, we are relating it to other serial killers. I have to think that they took some of that from Albert Fish and Albert Fish's story, yeah. um, where he would, you know, take, um, uh, rose stems, thorny rose stems and shove them up as urethra and then pull them back out. And how when like you know when he was finally arrested and they like did like a whole scan of his body they found that there were like hundreds of little safety pins shoved into his uh groin and into his testicles that he'd done himself mm-hmm. you know and i think that i when i saw you know that that scene in shram with the nails yeah. I, I was like this has to be like it kind of feels more like that it's not it's not like a a movie like holy shit we're watch- we're with this serial killer whole time watching him kill people we're just watching him in his everyday life and just at his home, mutilating himself and just being miserable and, and sighing and crying on the floor and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did enjoy this film, I must say. Compared to Necromantic, it, it, it wasn't one that made me think, oh, I'll probably watch that again. I yeah. thought it, it did what it did rel- relatively well 
um, mm-hmm. bit, a bit pretentious, but that looked pretty damn good. And certainly had that drab, like nihilistic misery to it, yeah. which, which I appreciated. But yeah, I yeah. wouldn't say that I enjoyed Shram in the way that I enjoyed Necromantic. No, Wednesday. it's no, it's not the, it's not the type of thing that I would pop on or even like recommend to people for that want to see like shock extreme. I would definitely lead them to Necro, the Necromantic movies first. Yeah, and uh, and the Death King is more along the lines of Shram than it is to the uh, the necromantic stuff as well. Something you should see as as a fan of this stuff, but definitely not his best work. Yeah, yeah I think it was really cool watching um, Budgerite's movies and uh, It and Bach's kind of one after the other because they, despite the fact they're both very extreme in their own ways, like the atmosphere between the two, I don't think could be more different. Oh, Which is why I prefer different. it, it, it and Bark by a long way because it's a much oh, more absolutely. grand guignol, super over the top, oh, yeah. splatter worthy, like chuck yeah. everything in and yeah, yeah. Uh, it and Bark stuff is is I certainly prefer, uh, but I think uh, uh, Bootgerite is the one who kind of really uh, really started it off. You know, he was he made stuff a few years before, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it and Bach just took it to whole other levels of. Um, of the absurd and the extreme and like the sheer, sheer body count, you know, as well. <laughs> like in the end of Bermudos, there's actually a fucking, they actually tally the amount of bodies. Cause it's like well over a hundred. 138. Um, 100, 138. Look at you. I watched it just yesterday all the day before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Okay. So yeah. Do you guys want to try to pick this up? Uh, like relatively soon, like yeah, sometime absolutely. Within the week and, and, absolutely. and we'll do part two. We we'll will. We have to. Yes, absolutely. I can't do this week now, but maybe next week or the weekend. Well, we'll, we'll uh, schedule okay. it. We'll schedule week. it offline, but but we will be having cool. coming back with a part two, and uh, you know, we'll, and a part in the music. We have to talk music separately. I just for my own uh, sake. Yeah, we have to get but, into that as well. But one thing, if I could just um, as we wrap it up, just pr- but asking you guys. I know we we you spoke a little bit about this, Chris, but um, as two extreme horror writers, um. Did do these did these films? Uh, what kind of influence did this, does this have on you? Did you did you go to these? Did they uh, specifically affect certain things? And we talked about the line in Full Brutal, Chris. But mm-hmm. like, are there other things that you guys have taken away from some of these German extreme horror films that have influenced or maybe uh, shaped some of the things you've written? Um, mm. What do you um, think? Well, for me, I, I definitely think. I definitely think so in the sense that the necromantic poster, which I love and is hanging on the wall in my library. Yes, it is. Um, I love that poster. And I saw the poster years before I could find the movie and locate the movie. Cause even in the nineties here in America, finding the movie was difficult. Uh, you know, we're talking like pre-internet, you couldn't just go online and hunt it down. Mm. But I had seen the poster. Uh, like featured in horror magazines or wherever else. I was very familiar with the poster and the box art and thought, and to this day, I think it's, it's one of my favorite horror posters. It's this, you know, hot, busty, naked chick holding this dead body pressed against her bosom. And it's just as necromantic and everything else on the poster is in German. So you have, you have no idea what anything else is. Um, and uh, that always just really fascinated me really, uh, you know, grabbed me of just how fucked up and crazy the poster was and what Mm. it implied just from the title and the image. Yeah. Uh, Some people like have asked me um, about like, like an influence with toxic love, you know, with, with, for obvious reasons. 
Um, but it's not something that I even really thought of when I was writing Toxic Love because I hadn't watched the first Necromantic in some years when I started watch, writing Toxic Love. And I actually forgot that, that's, that the guy was a crime scene cleanup uh, person. When I wrote Toxic Love, which is about a crime scene cleanup crew and does have necrophilia involved in it, uh, I was really just inspired by the job itself and how strange of a job that must be. So I forgot that a necromantic, the guy also has that same job, and that's how he gets access uh, to the dead bodies for he and his and his uh, wife or girlfriend, or whatever, to have sex with. Um, but you'll also see, like I mentioned, necromantic in Full Brutal. You know, when Kim White is first starting to, the main character is first starting to uh, have these these interests in the macabre. She looks up like the most depraved movies, like does internet searches and finds necromantic Serbian film, cannibal Holocaust, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that they have somewhat of an influence on me. And I think they have a huge influence, a huge impact on horror cinema, as we know it, and extreme horror in general. Um, they were very, you know, the, the films were very groundbreaking and they were very, and they continue to be very disturbing all these years later, even though we've had movies like Human Centipede and other stuff come out since it still ranks right in there as like the necromantic movies are right in there in like every list you could pull up of like the top 10 most disturbing movies you'll ever see. Yeah. It still is, is a reigning champion. Uh, so that was a long winded answer. Jonathan, if you want to. That's a good answer. Yeah. Um, I think both, both directors cater for different sides of, of my writing in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like um, Budgerite is, uh, it was, we've been saying is quite grim and nihilistic, but nothing, supernatural and like if you accept that we're watching films about necrophiles and and that there's nothing too over the top about it in a lot of ways and currently writing the sequel to what good girls do it's called what good men do and it and it has elements of that gritty underbelly of parts of society that people would generally rather not think about right um and I also remember um, when I first saw Necromantic, or at least bits of it, um, I was I was shocked by the the final scene for sure. Mm-hmm. And movies sure. like that definitely um, opened me up to making my writing considerably more explicit because I didn't realize that you could do that really at mm-hmm. the time. Um, and then when it comes to the other side of my writing, like the stuff that I've written for um, Evil Cookie with Chocolate Man and some of the ones for the um, the collections there, I would say that It and Bark definitely is uh, in, in influential on some of that stuff. Like there's a there's a climactic scene in um, Chocolate Man that almost, yeah, I would say it kind of echoes um, a scene in Burning Man, which is probably the most well-known sequence that It and Bark the, ever did. The, burn, the, burning, moon. the burning, burning Moon. The Burning Moon. Yeah, what did I say? Burning, Burning Man. Man. Burning Man, yeah. Burning Man is Burning Man's a, a festival thing. here that is a very dirty, hippie thing. You don't want to be yeah. a part of it. Yeah. So, well, it's no. definitely dirty, yeah. Um, it's very dirty. But no, the, the, the sequence in that um, of Hell is, is, is very similar in some ways yeah. to the grotesqueness in that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm influenced by any kind of extreme horror cinema that, uh, that, that I enjoy and, and, and rate. So yeah. certainly German horror rules. That's that's cool because I'm I'm also working on a um, fan fiction sequel uh, called uh, <laughs> What Mean Girls Do. And, oh, uh, oh, we're, oh. We're gonna bring Lindsay Lohan back in there. And well, uh, dude, What Mean back, Girls so. Do is pretty much full brutal. <laughs> full brutal is 
is basically it is. Mean, it's mean girls meets american meets, psycho it, it, that's right it is yeah. it is yeah. but this is going to stay true to the original text uh with Lindsay, we're wearing pink and all that well, we'll talk okay. about it offline okay 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 no but Sounds uh good. that's awesome those are great answers from both of you guys and i and i think that uh it does show and we all draw influences from different different things but you know you guys being two extreme horror writers uh just i was just uh think people wanted to know you know because if if you are out there people i know a lot of writers listen to our show um you know if that's something you're trying to write uh, you know not only go to the go to the text do your reading read stuff but these are good films that you could get a visual feel from and they're very moist they're very moist. as am as am i sitting in yes this, you are i know in so, this room with with no ac it's oh, i've been boiling this whole time oh my guy can't imagine but, I just, but, but, but you're, I did not want to cancel. We've been we've been we've, trying to do this for a while now. So we pulled it together, guys. We did it, and I appreciate it. Yes. Jonathan, thank you for being here from across thank you so the much pond. For having me. Uh, yes. You're a bad motherfucker. You know that. Thank you for be, uh, being a part of uh, agreeing to do multi episodes with us, which you know yes. most people just do one, and they're like, "Sure, we'll see." Yeah. And then yeah, so, so everyone in time. Anyone who's still listening at this point, we are going to continue this. There will be a part two where we'll talk about Ittenbach and some yes. other things. Very cool. But uh, yeah, it was great to be back. Uh, here we are. We're back. Chris, thanks. Uh, yep. Good to see you. Love you, dude. Uh, Jonathan, love you, too. And uh, Jonathan, you want to just give a quick uh, plugs like where people can find your social media just in case they don't know? Uh, no. OK, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. uh, join me on uh, on Facebook. That's where I'm most active, definitely. I mean, I'm on Instagram and TikTok, but I bet I barely do it enough. So if you want to, if you want to meet me, send me a friend request on uh, on Facebook. And and if you want to, if you want to get to his heart, just take him on a tour to some serial killer's dumping ground, and you will surely, surely win, marry you. win him over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then he'll marry you. <laughs> That's how it works. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you in a week or whatever, and uh, bye-bye.